0: Amen. Please remain standing if you're able, and let's turn to Genesis 32 once again. Genesis 32, page 27 in the Blue Bible, and we'll begin our reading at verse 20, excuse me, 22. Hear God's holy word. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me, And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. What a fascinating passage this is, and a fascinating encounter we see in it, God manifested Himself visibly, physically here. And that's not something that happened often. Now, this is only the second time God did this in Genesis. First, He did it with Abraham, and now here with Jacob. Jacob. And the setting is uh, Jacob's camp. He's uh, in a a frightened state, I think it's safe to say, frightened with the prospect of what's going to happen Uh, very shortly. He's going to meet Esau face to face. Esau, who wanted to kill him. He's sent out, Jacob has sent out that large procession of gifts, livestock, to meet Esau, uh, hoping to appease him, hoping to soften his heart before he runs into him face to face. He sends his family off, and his hope is that if uh, Esau attacks uh, them going in separate directions, one will be saved. And we saw him offer that great prayer as well. Jacob offered a beautiful prayer, a model prayer for us all, a prayer of faith, a believing prayer. He's entrusting his life and his family to the Lord. And he's trusting God to keep his promises that he'd made to Jacob. And that was a great response to Uh, the danger that he's facing. He's just trusting the Lord. Lord, you made these promises to me. I'm trusting you to keep them. I'm trusting you to bring me through this. Now, in the past, he probably wouldn't have looked to the Lord in that way. He would have thought up a a way to try to save himself. He would have come up with some scheme, some plan. Uh, Not here, though. He's afraid. He's afraid, and yet he has faith in the midst of that fear. Again, as we said last week, biblical faith, having true faith in God, doesn't mean you never experience fear. Certainly not. We're going to experience all kinds of fear, just like uh, Jacob was experiencing here. Yet we need to trust in the Lord in the midst of of those fearful times and dangerous times. That's what we see Jacob doing here. He's leaning on the Lord, leaning on the promises of God as he calls on the Lord for deliverance and help. So as we find him here, he's alone in the camp. He sent all his servants away. He sent his family on. He's alone. But he's not really alone. He has this extraordinary meeting with this mysterious figure that met him. We're told Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. I think about How Jacob must have felt when he sent his family off there that night. It was probably a very anxious time for him. He's in a low state, he's in a a fearful state. It's late. Stress can wear on you so that you're weary. He was probably weary and tired, and yet still trying to cling to his faith in the Lord. And in that low state, in that low condition that he was in, that's when God comes to him. He comes in the form of this man. We're told he wrestled with Jacob. And we know it's God because he's identified as God in verse 28. And Hosea, in Hosea chapter 12 refers to this event in Jacob's life, and he identifies this person as the angel, the angel, using the definite article, the angel, not just any angel, it's the angel, which indicates the angel of the Lord, who we encounter from time to time in the Old Testament. And that Old Testament term, the angel of the Lord, when you encounter that being, That's not just a created angel. That is God himself manifesting his presence visibly, physically to his people. It's the Lord himself. Most interpreters of the Old Testament, uh, Reformed interpreters um, at least, believe that when we see the angel of the Lord, uh, it is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Christ before his uh, incarnation, before he became a man, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God. And when we look at those different passages where the angel of the Lord appears, he's identified with God, but he's also uh, distinct, In the way he's presented distinguished from God and yet identified with God isn't that interesting that's how it is with Jesus in the New Testament Jesus is identified in the closest way with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit and yet he's also distinct he's distinct from them Because he's not God the Father, and he's not God the Holy Spirit, but he is God the Son. And so that's who most good interpreters believe this is, the eternal Son of God, appearing before his incarnation in this way, wrestling with Jacob. So think about this. Jacob was was probably thinking, okay, everybody is off on their way now. I'm here alone in the darkness, probably trying to prepare himself for what comes next, probably hoping to get some peace, get some rest for his anxious mind and for his body. And at that moment, God literally came and started knocking Jacob around. It's wild. He has this uh, struggle, this, this battle here. This is, it looks like a life and death struggle in the darkness. And Jacob must have been incredibly surprised by this, by this uh, attacker who met him. But he rose to the occasion, even though he was probably exhausted, And he fought back, and they wrestled. And it was a wrestling match. Uh, I I, I almost imagine like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu match down on the ground, just grappling, trying to gain the advantage each over the other, and neither could win, we're told. They wrestled all night until both uh, should have been exhausted, Jacob certainly, Neither could win, and neither would give up, and on it went. In verse 25, we're told, the man saw that he could not, did not prevail over Jacob. Now, that's very interesting, because this is the Lord. This is God. And yet, he was not able to defeat Jacob. If he's the Lord, he has divine power. He's almighty God. But he doesn't exercise it. He doesn't use it. He humbles himself here like a man. And so this wrestling match went on and on. But then we see him finally, he seems to use those powers. In verse 25, we're told he touched, just touched, the hip socket of Jacob, and his hip was put out of place as he was wrestling in. With just the touch, he was able to disable Jacob. And this would be a permanent disability that this man had just endured. He's crippled in the hip from this touch. So you see a little glimpse of the kind of power that this person has, indicating who this person is. of course, this reminds us of Jesus and what He could do with just a touch, without even a touch, with just a word. It reminds us of how we see Him in the Gospels, too, and how He uh, appeared weak and limited, And he came in the form of a man, fully God and fully man, and yet laying aside his divine power. At times we see glimpses of his power, though, and of his glory, right? When he used his power to heal, to heal a leper or uh, a person who was uh, ill and dying, casting out demons, or uh, when he was transfigured on the mountain. Shining like lightning. We see these glimpses of who he really was. He had unlimited power, divine power. And yet it was veiled in the weakness of his humanity. And he was pleased for it to be that way during his earthly life and ministry. Well, back to our passage here. So God, of course, won this battle. He disabled Jacob, and yet got handed to Jacob. He still refused to give up. He's still going after him. He's exhausted. Now he's got to be in serious pain, you know, a dislocated hip. I've never had that. I don't know if any any of you have, but that has got to be brutal, and yet on he goes. He can't win But he refused to give up. He refused to let go of this man. He just keeps clinging to him. I almost picture him like just barely being able to hang on to him by the shoelaces or something. He just keeps trying to wrestle him and won't let him go. But something's changed. Jacob now seems to have realized that this was not a mere human adversary. Once this person touched his hip, Jacob knew that this was someone greater than a mere man. He was wrestling with God. And that's when he determined not to let go until God blessed him. He was bent on getting a blessing from this person. In some ways that sounds like the old Jacob, doesn't it? I'm I'm gonna get that blessing one way or another. Determined to get the blessing, he was. Only this time he's seeking a blessing from God. He's seeking it from the right source and in the right way. All Jacob's life, He'd been trying to get his own way, trying to gain the advantage by striving against men. Whether it was Esau or Isaac or Laban, he's been struggling and striving and trying to, trying to get his way, trying to get ahead through schemes, even through deceit. And he's gotten into real trouble because of that. Sometimes he did get ahead, but he's had to live with a lot of very bad consequences for his actions. Broken relationships, being exiled from his family, strife within his new family. But now God shows Jacob here who he really has to deal with, who he really ought to be wrestling with. It's God and God alone. God is the only one who can bless Jacob. Only God can protect Jacob. Only God can provide for Jacob. He's been beginning to learn that and here he learns it in a very fresh way in a very vivid and painful way he's finally learning that he needed to do business with god above all he needed to cling to god you know all through your life you're going to face troubles and you're going to face trials and maybe even human adversaries. Uh, you can pretty much count on that. Don't. There's no maybe about it. And the temptation when we're going through those things is to think that, you know, we're struggling against those people or those problems, uh, whatever they may be. We're struggling with our circumstances. Maybe people or pain or problems problems with work, problems with family, problems with health. We tend to get our eyes stuck on those things, on this earthly level, things that our eyes can see. We think that's what our struggle is all about. The truth is our struggle is really all about God. And the question is whether you and I are going to struggle to keep trusting in Him and obeying Him. Keep looking to Him for your needs. Keep casting all your cares on Him instead of trying to handle them yourselves. Keep struggling against sin, struggling to honor Him, struggling to glorify the Lord in all your circumstances? Or will you just try to make those hard things go away? Remember the big picture, the big, big picture. What is the chief end of man? What is our purpose for even being here? Well, it's not to be comfortable and at ease and prosperous. No, our lives are the occasion for us to glorify God, to glorify God and to learn to enjoy Him now and forever. And that's a struggle in this life, isn't it? We need to struggle to trust and obey this glorious God. Those are the primary ways that we glorify Him and learn to enjoy Him what's going on with Jacob here that that is exactly what's going on god's bringing him to the point where he finally realizes that it's god with whom he has to do god is everything god is his all in all he needs to trust in god alone he needs to cling to him for dear life and he needs to know and believe that God is the only one who can bless him. We need to learn this too, so much, especially when we're in trouble or trials. God is your all in all. He's your sole source of help and blessing, and you need to look to him and cling to him tenaciously, like we see Jacob doing here. unfortunately sometimes god has to weaken us even wound us to get us to learn this lesson because we're so self-sufficient i'm gonna do it myself i'm fine i'm good we think we're self-sufficient sometimes god has to take away that fleshly strength that self-sufficiency so that we will know we can't do it well, no, we need to look to him for his strength. Just like Paul learned in that reading in 2 Corinthians. The Lord touches our lives, kind of like Jacob's hip was touched. He touches our lives with pain. And however he's doing that in your life, or however he may do it in the future, Let it teach you what it's supposed to teach you. It's supposed to teach you that you need the Lord. You can't do it on your own. You need to keep relying on him to be your God, your almighty God, your help. He's the one from whom your help comes. He is your strength. He's your everything. God, help us to learn this, even if he has to touch us in painful ways. The next thing we see here in verses 27 to 28 is God renaming Jacob. We see this from time to time in the uh, scriptures. We've seen it already. Uh, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. So God says to Jacob, what is your name? He responded, Jacob. Then God said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. God does this renaming thing from time to time. He renamed Abram, Abraham. And Sarai became Sarah. And now he renames Jacob Jacob to Israel. And in all those cases, the new name is more fitting than the old. And why is that? What's different about them? Well, they all spoke of the fulfillment of God's promises. He gave them new names that would remind them of his faithfulness to keep his word. Jacob's new name Speaks of uh, uh, the transformation that God was doing in his life, taking him from being a, a rascal, a schemer, a deceiver, and turning him into a person who trusts in God and God's grace. The name Israel literally means "God strives" or "God fights." And so that's a fitting name for Jacob. It's a great name because Jacob was learning to trust in God to be strong and to fight for him. He's trusting in God's strength and not in his own. And that would be a struggle to learn that lesson, to keep doing that. It's not something that we get all at once. It's a struggle to keep living that way. Keep relying upon God who is strong on our behalf. Jacob wasn't perfect in his faith. Just as his uh, father and grandfather, their faith faltered at times. They slipped back into unbelief. They struggled to keep looking to the Lord. Jacob still has an old nature just as we do today. The old sinful nature is still in us. We trust in God who fought for us by sending His Son into the world to save us. We trust in Christ's work on our behalf and not in our own work. And we trust in Him to continue that good work that He's begun in us. We have fits and starts. We falter. We fail in our faith and in our obedience to him more often than we'd like to admit. We're saints and sinners. And we will be until the day we die. And that's why we need the Lord so much to be strong on our behalf. We need to keep looking to him in faith to save us to the uttermost. Well, Jacob then spoke to this person uh, after he'd given him his new name, and he says, please tell me your name. And the person replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him. Jacob already knew who this was. He knew, but he wanted to know better. He wanted to know this person better. Isn't that great? And God's response, mysterious. Why do you ask my name? You know That reminds us of Jesus in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and how he revealed himself during his earthly, earthly ministry. Sometimes he responded this way when people inquired about his identity. He didn't always come right out and uh, um, advertise that he was God and the Son of God. He let his works do the talking most of the time. He let his teaching convince people. He let his miracles testify to who he was. People saw his character People saw the glorious, wondrous, miraculous works that he did. Through these things, he was known. His identity was known clearly enough to those who had eyes of faith to see it. Well, if there were any lingering doubts about who this person was that Jacob's been wrestling with, they disappeared when He blessed Jacob. That was even better than if he had uh, told him uh, his name. This way he revealed himself to Jacob clearly as God, as the one who is the source of every blessing. And that was a message that the people of Israel needed to hear. Remember, they're the first readers of the book of Genesis, the Israelites after the Exodus. They needed to be reminded that their God was the source of every blessing, the Lord and Him alone, no other gods. That's a message for us, too, that we need to remember. All that we have, all that we need now and in the future comes from the blessing of this God, the one true God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's remember that and give thanks always to him. He is our God from whom all our blessings flow. And now the scene ends. Suddenly and mysteriously, like it began, this man disappeared. Jacob knew it was a divine encounter. He called the place Peniel. Peniel means face of God. And he said, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And the scene closes with the morning sun rising as Jacob begins to go on his way. He just had this amazing encounter with God. And yet, he's tired and he's bruised. And he walks now with a permanent limp because of God's touch. God had left a mark on him. He's a new man, but he's also a weaker man now. God had taken some of his strength, but in his new weakness, he's the better for it because he's to learned to look to God and his strength. He's weaker physically, but he's stronger spiritually by God's grace. And people, this is the same God who has redeemed us. And he wants us to know our weakness so that we will rely on his strength and his power to save us and his grace to help us He is the warrior God who fights for us. And he fought for us first and foremost and supremely in the person of Jesus Christ. He came into the world to fight for us, to wrestle for us in his human nature, to live his life in perfect obedience to God and his word to live the life that we could not live. He wrestled against our enemy, the devil. And most importantly, on the cross, he endured the terrible assault, the full weight and horror of God's wrath. His wrath toward us. The wrath we deserved, each and every one of us. He endured something far worse than the crippling of a hip. He suffered an eternity of hell on the cross. We might say he wrestled for our salvation and he would not give up until he received the blessing. And that blessing was not for himself, but for us. The blessing of salvation. God's grace, his saving grace and blessing now flows fully and freely to all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what he has done, he's been given a name that is above every name. And he's given us a new name his name. We are his. We are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. Trust in him, people, with all your might, with all your days. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for dealing with us according to your wonderful, amazing grace. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he did coming into the world to strive and work the hard work that he had to do in order to save us so that we might be saved simply by trusting in him, in him alone. Help us to do that. We can't even do that on our own. Form that saving faith in each and every one of us in our children in our loved ones lord grant the faith that saves to us and to many more and we thank you lord for blessing us so abundantly as your children we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ we can't even begin to fathom what that means and what that will mean for us for all eternity We thank you. Thank you, Lord. And it's in your son's great name that we ask all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.